Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4. And we want to continue with this that we have been on, entitled The Mature Believer. Good to see you. You're not getting any taller, are you? No. Yeah, I'm short. I love you too. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Uh, I'm really going to date myself. There used to be a country music singer, Grand Ole Opry singer named Little Jimmy Dickens. Anybody remember him? He had a song way back in the 50s, Take an Old Cold Tater and Wait. Amen. I know, I know I'm dating myself. But uh, uh, he, he was four foot nothing. His, his, his slogan was, I'm little but I'm loud. Amen. So anyway. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! Hey, you're in that kind of church. Just <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Ephesians 4, and we want to start here around verse 11. And the mature believer is what we've been dealing with. And, and uh, if you've been with us uh, over, uh, especially the Sundays that I'm here, and, and Wednesday night, of course, and even uh, Wednesday before last, Brother Dave was talking about the love of God and, and maturing in the, in the love of God. And, you know, I found something that, that uh, when you talk about maturity, people get these ideas, especially in spirit-filled congregations, uh, Pentecostal churches, charismatic, however you want to call it. Uh, and I've talked at length about this, and, and so I'm not going to take a whole lot of time on it to recap it. But, you know, maturity, as you see it in the Scripture, maturity is measured by your ability to walk in love. It's not measured by your ability to operate in a gift or uh, to sound spiritual or to preach good or, or whatever the case may be. Because operating in the nine gifts of the Spirit, if you really study that out in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, you see that the motive is love. The motive is I'm doing this because the Holy Spirit does this because He loves people. And always re- understand and realize that when a person operates in a gift, they didn't choose to do it. The Bible says those gifts operate as the Spirit wills. I may have been a willing participant, but it was the Holy Spirit functioning in His gift through me. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? And so, it, But it's not a mark of spiritual maturity. And so Paul begins to tell us here in Ephesians 4... Verse 11, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting is the furnishing, the equipping, the full equipping or the furnishing of the saints. And notice for what reason? For the work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Is that what it says? And so he says that people come to the local church to get equipped and furnished 
so they can do the work of the ministry and what's the purpose of doing the work of the ministry? To edify the body. So what's the purpose of the ministry? The body. Not the person, the body. Amen. Say out loud. Not the person, the body. Amen. Now, now, there are people that take that too far. Well, we're all nothing. and Well, there's a, there's a chain of command. There's a, a level of honor in the Scripture. But understand something, that when you get this in your mind, you don't have that religious idea of, oh, I'm nothing. It's, I'm not. Listen, that's just pride. When, whenever you've got somebody that's always running around telling about how nothing they are, they're really wanting you to tell them how something they are. That's just pride. Amen. Everybody in here knows that were it not for God, we would be nothing, going nowhere, doing nothing. Amen. Amen. But God in His mercy saved us and turned our life around and gave us something to do for the kingdom and we should magnify our office because it's the office God gave us but understand why I have this office to edify the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And then he says... Till we all come, so, so in other words, this will happen until this next verse is fulfilled. Till we all come the unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man. So now that word perfect means, it means to come to full adulthood, a place of complete maturity. So you have perfecting, which is furnishing and equipping, and you have perfect, which is full-grown manhood, is what the Greek says. And so a a, a natural family is a type of the spiritual family. And what's the job of a parent in a natural home? Furnish that child and equip them with what they need to what? Be mature. To be fully grown. Every one of us in here have known, you know, 40-year-old people that were immature. Well, where'd that stem from? Nobody fully equipped them or fully furnished them. Amen. And and that's why God gives the family a place to come get together so they can be equipped and furnished to grow up. And notice he says that this will be the result, that we be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind and doctrine, by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So notice he says, speaking the truth in love. Enfolded in love is what it says in the Greek. That, 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 that the truth is enfolded in love. That's a mark of spiritual maturity, is being able to speak the truth in love. You know, you've run into people before and said, well, look, I'm going to tell you, I don't care what you think, I'm going to tell you, that that's an immature person. Because a mature person will wrap the truth in love. It's, it's not that the truth is so hard to take, it's that my job as a minister, your job as a fellow believer, is make the truth palatable. Amen. Amen. Now people say, well, don't water it down now, brother. Just tell it like it is. Well, you can tell it like it is and fold it in love. Amen. 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 Glory to God. They might have to work at it. Amen. There might be somebody, you've got to find something to talk about in lovely terms. But you can do it. <laughs> but he says, fold the truth, and now is it still the truth? Fold it in love, 
Right? And what will happen? They'll grow because of it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Galatians 5. And we've spent a lot of time in Galatians 5 in this series. But Galatians 5.13, he says, Brethren, you've been called to liberty, only don't use your liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now, notice the last phrase. This, this whole verse we dealt with in part three of this series. But notice, he says, but by love, notice this, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, in this, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you're not consumed one of another. This I say, walk in the spirit. We could say walk in love and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now here's the problem. The Galatians were not caring for each other as they should have. All right, I, I taught a series. We went verse by verse through the book of Revelation two years, or uh, Galatians two years ago, and uh, just did a verse by verse teaching, and it's just called the book, the book of Galatians. But here's the point. The, the, there, there's a sect in this church that they're born again, they're saved, but they've come back under the law. The, Paul called them the Judaizers. All right, they, they've come back under the law, and they're starting to tell these Gentiles that were brought in under grace, well, but you're not circumcised, and you don't observe feast days, and you eat uh, bacon, and right, all this other stuff, and so until you quit doing that, you're not really saved. And Paul said, well, you didn't learn Christ that way. And he's, he's writing, and he's saying, look, you don't care about each other, because you're biting and you're devouring one another. All right? In other words, you got this side of the room saying, well, we're right because we observe all the feasts. And this side over here saying, well, we're right because we don't deserve any, observe any of them. And in the middle is all this biting and devouring that's going on. Amen. Hallelujah. So he tells them, notice, by love, serve one another. So we see that serving is giving and caring. Love is giving and caring. If I serve, I'm operating in love. I'm caring. The law, he says, stands fulfilled in one statement. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you know, the, the word neighbor, you know, Jesus said that to one of the uh, religious leaders one day. He said, uh, uh, what do I have to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what's the law said? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, well, that's exactly right. Go do that and you'll be right. And he, it says that he was willing to justify himself. And he said, who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, the word neighbor throughout the New Testament, here's what it means. Any other individual than yourself. Amen. And in, in the Greek, read it. It says, and where two are concerned, the other one. Well, two, me and you. So who's my neighbor? You. Amen. Right? And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. 
And what, what happens there? The law is fulfilled. That's the Mosaic law. That's not all of the 632 diverse things that they added to it. It's that those ten commandments that are the thou shalt nots. And he says when you walk in love, you fulfill every one of those. But you've got believers that are running around trying to make sure they don't break any of the Ten Commandments. And they're worried about it. The way you don't break them is walk in love. And love is in you. Romans 5, 5 says the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. God is love. And the Bible says I am of God. So if God is love and I'm of God, what am I? I'm love. So it's there. It's in me. I can do it. I just have to do it. Amen. But he says if you bite and devour. Now this is interesting. Because bite and devour. That carries the idea of wild animals preying on each other. In a deadly struggle. And he uses this phrase to bite. You know you think bite. And of course what do you think when you think bite? You know biting somebody. But it literally means this. To wound the soul. Or to thwart, T-H-W-A-R-T, thwart. Now, I know we don't use that, phrase, that word a lot, but, you know, if I was to thwart your progress, that means I've, I put a stumbling block in front of you. And he says, he says, anything that wounds the soul, well, what's the soul? Mind, will, and emotions. Cause, causes a person to have pain that, that you say or that you do, right? Amen. And he's talking about believers. In, in reality, I am my brother's keeper. I'm not supposed to say things that I know are going to hurt somebody. Well, it was the truth. Wrap it in love. Make that love burrito. Amen. Put some sauce on it, whatever you got to do. Amen. You know, when you need to give your dog a pill, you don't just give them the pill. You put it some cheese or something. Amen. Hallelujah. So he says there are things that can wound, that can thwart, that can, that can stop the progress of my brother. Amen. Then that word devour, it means squander, to, to waste, to ruin. So this is so important because anything that bites or devour, anything that wounds, any, anything that squanders the relationship that we have with each other, the relationships that you have in this room, don't misunderstand me, these are eternal relationships. You know, if you've got natural family that are not born again, those are important relationships, but if they don't get born again, they're not an eternal relationship. Amen. The relationships you have that are eternal are those that you have with believers of like precious faith. Amen. Amen. It's important about our relationships. Amen. Say out loud, it's important. About our relationship. There, there are no throwaway brothers or sisters. There, there's nobody that you can just say, well, I, don't have, I, don't, I can do without them. Well, you might can, but the body can't. Because everybody in here has something to do in the body. And ever what it is, ever what part of the body you are. And Paul said that we need all the parts of the body... And nobody has the ability to exercise that kind of jurisdiction to say, I don't need you. That's biting. That's devouring. Amen. Hallelujah. 
But yet you'll see believers, they almost do things like this with almost a gusto, almost a pride. Tell you what, I'm done with them. Let me ask you a question according to the Scripture. How does the love of God dwell in you? If I can just do that and say, I'm done with that believer. I don't need them in my life anymore. I'm done. How's the love of God dwell in you? This is sheep food. We're growing. Right? When, when Peter came to Jesus and he said, Master, he said, uh, how many times in a day, if my brother offends me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven? And Jesus said, I say not unto you seven, but 70 times seven. 490 times. He's not giving you a number to shoot for. <laughs> here's what I mean. No, here's what I mean. Nobody in here has been offended 490 times in one day. I mean, if you have, you need to figure out and check out who you're hanging out with. But, <laughs> but don't look at your wife or husband. Don't do that. Amen. But, but here's, here's the point. He's saying, he's saying you have the capacity in you as a believer to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive because you're not doing it out of your own self. You're doing it out of the love of God. And, and, and in other parts of this series, I talked about how love is giving over and over again. The Bible says, by love, serve. It says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. God so loved, he gave. Love is giving. Well, what giving? Giving the shadow of a doubt. Giving a second chance. Giving a third chance. Giving a fourth chance. Giving a... Is that right? But if I squander that, if I just squander that relationship, like it doesn't matter. I've had people ask me before, how can you just forgive that person? How can I not? If the love of God dwells in me, how can I not? Right? I think Dave touched on this some Wednesday, about how love thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they mentioned a certain person, and, and they, they said some things that wasn't necessarily bad, but, but, you know, it was kind of borderline. And I just, I just started thinking of all the good things that person has done. And I said, yeah, but they did this, and, and you know, they did this, and they, and they did the other. And, you know, by the time I got done talking to them, they were like, oh, they are pretty good people, aren't they? They sure are. <laughs> right? And, and, and I'm not 100% at this. I realize we're all growing. But there's always something that I can do as a believer to serve. Amen. Instead of squandering that relationship. Mm. So what this comes down to is selfishness versus selflessness. <laughs> Isn't that something? Now, I'll give you an explanation here, a, a definition. Selfishness. And I'll take my time because it's, you may not get it all, but the exclusive regard of a person to his own interest or happiness. The exclusive regard of a person to his own interest or happiness. So basically what it means is that a selfish per person wants to advance his own interest with no regard about the other person. I just want what I want regardless of what it does to you. 
That seemed like a good definition. Selfishness. That's not one guy fishing by himself. Right? Selfishness. I want what I want regardless of what you want, regardless of what it does to you, regardless of how it affects you. Right? Selflessness or being selfless, it's a very simple explanation, very simple uh, uh, definition. It means that you are concerned more with the needs of wishes and others than your own. Concerned more with the wishes and the needs of others than your own. So selfishness is taking and demanding. Right? Demanding. There's no touch of the Spirit on demands. If you've ever been around a very demanding person, it's just, they're just not fun to be around. They make everybody uncomfortable. Amen. Demanding. They want it their way. Hallelujah. Well, that's a selfish person. For instance, very simple example. A, 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 a group goes into a restaurant. All right? And... You know, when you go into a restaurant, every server has a certain amount of tables. Anybody ever served in here? Right? Right? You got a certain amount of tables, am I right? Could be four or five or three or four. I don't know. How many? Ten? All right. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> Voice of wisdom from the back calleth out. Well, wisdom is a woman and she's crying out. Amen. So, hallelujah. So, Karen says ten. So, there could be ten. And, and I guess at times, Karen, all ten of those were full, right? Right? And so you get a very demanding person. They, they don't want their water to be a quarter inch from the top. Right? They, they are not taking into consideration there are nine other tables that this one person has to take care of. It's just about me. Make sure my food's hot. Make sure my water glass is full. There's a speck of something on my fork. Fix it. Right? Amen. Now when you get quiet, either you know somebody like that or that's you. So just, you're safe if you just amen. If you just amen, nobody will know. But yeah, I'm joking. But here's, here's the point. They're demanding. And then if everything didn't go the way they wanted it, well, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to leave them a very big tip. Well, you weren't a very big tipper anyway. How do we know that? Because you're too selfish to be very generous. Right? Too selfish to be very generous. Now, everybody likes good service, but are you always going to get it? No. Who... That server may not be born again. You are born again. Jesus said they would know that you're a believer because you love one another. Is is that right? If I'm walking in love, people know I'm a believer. Something different about that table. Something different about those people. Amen. I've seen people be demanding and selfish and overbearing and then try to share the love of God with somebody. That's ridiculous. 
Why would I want what you have when you've made me feel like I'm the worst person in the world? I can't do anything right, but now you want to share the love of God with me. Right? Why would I do that? I had ten other tables, and all you did was complain. And those people over there telling bad stories and, and using language that, that I wouldn't use left me a very generous tip and told me what a good job I did. And then I came over to the love table where it's supposed to be, but you were demanding and, and shorted me and didn't even bless me because I didn't do everything you thought I should have done. <laughs> right? That's selfishness. Well, how does selflessness act? Right? Well, she, you know, my, she's been by here three times and hadn't filled our water cups. Well, I know, but look at that table and, and look at this table and look, right? I, I'm not saying just be satisfied. You are paying for something. I'm, I'm not telling you just to be a person that doesn't care how people treat you. What I'm saying is this, is take into consideration what people are going through and be selfless rather than selfish. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm. Am I helping you? Selflessness is serving and giving. Selfless. That's why the Bible talks about that being so important in our marriages, to be selfless, to be serving and giving. And then notice, selfishness is born of pride. Because it's all about me. It's all about me. What I want, what I need, what I desire. Selflessness is born of love. Love serves without recognition. Don't need to be recognized. I know why I'm doing it. You know, the greatest acts of love that you ever commit, probably nobody will ever see them. Amen. Amen. But you're doing them because you walk in love. You're, you're a person of love. Pride serves in order to receive recognition. Hallelujah. I say pride serves to get recognition. Amen. No, turn over to 1 Timothy 3. Am I helping you so far? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, that's why you take a, a little child and they just share and serve. They don't even think about it. Right? Uh, the other, well, I said the other night, been a little while ago, a couple months, I guess, and uh, we were all sitting around in the living room, and, and uh, uh, Lily wanted a snack, and so she went in, she's got a little table, and she sat down and had her snack, and, and uh, so, you know, I got up and got me a snack. Mine's a little bigger than hers, but, uh, and uh, uh, I, I got me some cereal is what I got, and uh, uh, Lily got done with her snack, and she came over, and she goes, uh, 
what do you have? <laughs> and I said, well, cereal. She got right up on my knee and she goes, can we share? <laughs> and I gave her a bite and she goes, we're good at sharing, aren't we? Uh, yes, we are. Right? But that, that's, that's a child for you. They don't care who they're sharing. If, if you, you got a three-year-old child and, and they got, you know, a, a, a ice cream or a push pop or whatever they have, and their little friend comes up and says, I want to lick, sure. Now people say that's kind of gross. Well, it is, but, but it's, it's that selflessness. You have to be taught not to share. Right? You have to be taught not to share, not to be giving, not to be selfless. Amen. And so, you, you know, if you're raising children, every now and then you ought to go through the, the, the room, through the closet, and, 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 and take some toys and, and, and bring the child in there with them and, and say, we're going to go donate these toys. We're going to go give these toys and bless somebody and let them pick them, let them choose them out. Why? Because you're reminding them, look at the abundance that you have. Look at the blessings of God in your life. And you, because you're so blessed, you have a responsibility to share it with other people. Amen. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 6. Now Paul's giving the qualifications here for ministers. And he says in verse 6, Not a novice, lest being lifted, lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now very often this is the focus here is that, you know, the, the minister shouldn't be a novice. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, if... if, if if you put a novice in a position, you know, they're going to get prideful. Well, that, that's part of it. But the focus is on this issue of pride. He don't want him to fall into pride. Notice that. The warning is against pride. It's not, it's not saying somebody young can't hold a position of authority. The warning is against pride. All right, you don't, you, he says you probably don't want to make them the overseer of an entire ministry because they're, they're, the, the Greek word is the word neophyte, N-E-O-P-H-Y-T-E. It, it carries the idea of a freshly planted plant. One newly come to the faith is what other translations say. So it's not just talking about somebody that's young in ministry. He's talking about somebody that just got saved a couple months ago, Whatever. And he says, why? Because pride can be an issue. All right? Now, this is so important because he says, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. That word lifted up, in the Greek, you can, you can look it up. It literally means to be wrapped in smoke. And when you look up the word pride, it means to raise a smoke, to wrap in a mist, to blind with pride or conceit, to render foolish or stupid. In, in other words, this person, because of, of the position, they can get so wrapped up in pride they can't see straight. It's like they're looking through a smoke screen. Now, the reason this is important is notice this is the result of being lifted up in pride. When I can't see the needs of other people, my brother or my sister, more often than not, it's because my focus is on me and not on them. And so it's not just a minister that can get lifted up in pride. It's the believer can get lifted up in pride. If, if God has blessed you, 
then you need to keep in your mind, it is God that has blessed me. Right? And, and you're not looking at somebody else and using that mindset of, well, they're not as blessed as I am, you know, after all. You see, now you're wrapped in smoke. You can't, you can't see clearly. I, I taught a couple Wednesdays ago. Paul, Paul said, y'all are coming to church and you're having this dinner. And he said, we got a problem because you got people that can't afford to buy anything. And we got people that can afford to buy anything they want. And we got one guy at the table drunk and the other guy can't eat. He said, that's not right. How do you care about your brother? And that's how it is. If God has blessed you, then God has blessed you and you never get lifted up with this mindset that I did this or I got this or this came to me because of me. It came because of the Word of God and God's Word coming to pass in your life. And what I need to do is look at my brother or sister and find out how can I help them grow to the place where they can function here too. Amen. Whew. So the result of being lifted up in pride or wrapped in a mist, wrapped in smoke. Have you ever been around somebody and they just, you, you thought, how in the world do they live? It's just all about them. Well, that's all they saw was just them. How is this going to affect me? Well, if I get involved with that, what's that going to do to me? Amen. You know, I'm glad Jesus didn't think that way. Because it costs him everything. And, he, and who is he looking at? Us. Glory to God. So the result of being lifted up with pride is that we fall under the same condemnation of the devil. Now, the, now, now here's, here's what that means. That means you get lifted up with pride. You open the door for the devil to condemn you. Hallelujah. One man said this. He said, we should take heed of pride. It is a sin that turned angels into devils. And you think about that. We're going to read this in just a moment. You think about that. When, 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 when people think about the devil, and they think about, you know, they call him different names, the devil, Satan, whatever. Well, the devil was created Lucifer. He wasn't created the devil. He wasn't created the accuser, the slanderer, the enemy. All right? He, he, he was created for a totally different purpose. A, a, a godly purpose, a holy purpose, a beautiful purpose. But notice, let's go over to the book of Ezekiel. And uh, glory to God. <clears throat> Y'all are receiving today. Praise the Lord. Ezekiel 28 and verse 12. He says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, if you stop right here, you'll see something. In the beginning of Ezekiel 28, there's a reference to a man called the prince of Tyrus. The prince of Tyrus was an actual ruler, a man on the earth. But here he takes up a lamentation against the king of Tyre. There's a law of biblical interpretation. It's called the law of double reference. All right, the law of double reference. In other words, there are things that are used in double reference in the Scripture, and they mean a different thing. They're referring to different entities. For instance, the Bible says that there is a Mount Zion that's an actual Mount Zion in Israel. 
But then the Bible calls us Mount Zion, the church. Hebrews 12 says, you've not come to the mount that was touched with, by God and, and consumed in smoke, but you're come to the heavenly Mount Zion. So it's, it's a double reference. It's referring the same, to the same, the same concept, but different things. So you got the prince of Tyre, that was an actual man, and then you got the king of Tyre, all right, which is, is, is we're going to see a reference to the spirit that was over that city and ultimately a reference to the enemy, to the devil. All right? And he says here, notice, he says, you, you, uh, uh, Thus saith the Lord, you seal up the sum full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden. We know, so you know he wasn't talking about a natural man. Because he said, you have been in Eden, the garden of God, Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, gold, the workmanship of your tabrays, all right? So tabrays, like tambourine, uh, is, is your bells, all right? And uh, of your pipes was prepared in thee the day that you were created. Now notice, this is important, because it was prepared. It, he wasn't just thrown together. There was a preparation for a purpose, right? And, and he included tabrays, he included pipes, he covered him with all these, these precious stones. Now, who did all this? God, right? God did this, and, and he created him this way. And then notice, you are the anointed cherub that covered. The, 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 the word anointed cherub, it is angelic being that flanked God's throne. Covered God's throne. All right? So he covered the throne of God. That was what he was prepared for. That's what he was commissioned for. And I have set you so. God said, I did this. Now, now why is this important? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, and God hath set some in the church. If you're in the body that you're a part of, God put you there. It, it, wasn't a, it wasn't happenstance. It wasn't a second thought. It wasn't that one day God looked and saw you and goes, oh, you know, I forgot to hook them up somewhere. Uh, let's, uh, where do they need to go? Just go over there. It's not what he did, right? Where, wherever you're at, whatever you're a part of, God in eternity's past had already made the decision that you would be here on June 20th, 2021, hearing me preach the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God said, I have set you so. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. Can you see the position? Covering the throne of God. On the holy mountain of God. Walking in the stones that produced fire. He says, you were there. You were in the presence of God. Right? Then, verse 15, you were perfect in your ways. It says something else about perfection. It says you seal up the sum, verse 12, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. Now watch, until iniquity was found in you. Well, what was that iniquity? Jump down to verse 17. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. 
you corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. So at some point, at some point, Lucifer began to look at himself and begin to take credit for what he was. Instead of reminding himself that God created him that way. Is that right? And what does it say happened? Iniquity. Pride showed up. Pride showed up. Well, I really am all that. Now, here's the point I want you to make. What was he created to do? This, this is so important. He was created to serve. Now, how do I know that? Well, number one, I know it from Hebrews chapter 1, where it says that all the angels are ministering spirits sent forth the minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. That's us. Well, God did not create one group of angels for a purpose and another group of angels for another purpose. Every angel that God created was a ministering spirit. A serving spirit. Right? That's why whenever you read through the scripture and you see an angel appear to a man or a woman of God, that, that angel will, will say, don't bow to me. Remember Revelation? He said, I am your fellow servant. Is that what he said? I'm your fellow servant. In other words, John, don't bow to me. We both serve God. Amen. Amen. If anything, we're created on a higher level than angels. Amen. Because we have spirit-to-spirit contact with God. God dwells on the inside of us. There's not one angel that's ever been redeemed. But all of us have been redeemed. There's not one angel that is called a son of God. But all of us are called the sons of God. So Lucifer, whether he, and, and he would have had, and I don't have time to get into a lot of it, but whether he would have ever had daily contact with mankind and served them is, is irrelevant. He was created to serve God. He was created to serve. His beauty, his ability was all given to him for what purpose? So he could serve God. And so they found, he found iniquity in his heart or pride now think about this. Pride turned Lucifer into Satan. Pride turned a servant into an enemy. The Bible says that the spirit that's in the world is the spirit of the devil, and he calls that spirit the spirit of disobedience. Isn't that something? When he got his eyes off what he was created to do, then he became the focus. Amen. And that was his downfall. Right. Hallelujah. Now, I'm saying all this, keep in context. What does Paul say our job in the church is? By love, serve one another. Amen. If I get my focus off what I'm called to do, then I become the focus and things start falling apart. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Serving <clears throat> requires the absence of pride. You, you can't serve others when you're the focus. You just can't. Ever, ever what it may be. You know, you, you, sometimes you hear a lot in the world, well, you know, service positions are up and, 
and, and people kind of downplay that. Well, all of us have a service position. Amen. We, we're, we're so, as sons and daughters of God, we're to serve one another. That's not, that's not a lower position. That's what we do. We're sons of God, but we serve God. Amen. And so, serving requires the absence of pride. Notice in Philippians 2. <clears throat> so, pride... turned Lucifer into the devil. And, and think about this. Every one of the angels that rebelled with him, they partook of that same thing. And it changed them into demons. Think about that. Everything that the enemy's involved in, it's, it's all about getting his purpose worked in you. Right? God, God comes and, and, and you allow him into your life and you give him that place of lordship in, in, in your life and all he does is give to you. Right? The enemy gets in your life and all he does is take from you. Why? How'd Jesus describe him? He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, think about this. When a thief breaks into your house, is he thinking about you? So he don't care if he smashes the window, tears up the door, breaks the vase that Grandma gave you. It doesn't matter. Amen. If somebody's intent on killing you, do they care about you? It's all about them. It's all about getting their purpose fulfilled. Amen. But notice Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, notice, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that doesn't mean you have this mindset that you're nothing and you're just a worm. It's not what it means. It means that you're always putting the... the, the, the uh, 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 needs of the other in front of yourself. I'm esteeming you better than me. Amen. That's what Peter said. He said, I love preferring one another. Preferring one another. And that word prefer means to lead the way. Just to put that other person out there and put them in front of yourself and do that by love. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I remember, oh, I don't know how many years ago it's been. It's been over 20 or more, 20 plus. And uh, Pastor Michelle and I were at a conference, a Christian conference, and a believer's convention. And uh, uh, dear Lord, they knocked you down trying to get to a chair. I see heads nodding, you understand. And you want to stand up and preach your best love sermon. 
That chair is not worth my knee. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Preferring one another. Right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking around the room. And most of the guys I know in here are gentlemen, and I, I don't say everybody's not. I may not know you, so I don't know. But, but uh, you know, I, I can just see Jeremy here. If he was ever riding the bus, which I hope you never have to, but if, if you're ever riding the bus and some lady got on, you had a seat, and the bus was full, and she was standing up, I could see you getting up and giving her your seat and, and standing up. Is that right? Because that's what, that's, what, that's what gentlemen do. Right? We prefer the other person. The, lo, walking in love, guys, ladies, gentlemen, that's just what believers do. We just esteem the other person better than ourselves. And he says, notice, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Hallelujah. So, so it's not that I don't care about my things, it's just that's not my focus. I want you to be okay, too. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, and, and, and that, that becomes the problem. That becomes the problem. You can't, you know, people won't cross lines. They won't cross denominational lines. They won't cross belief lines. Things, things that are not the difference between heaven and hell, folks, they don't matter. They don't matter. And, and so you've, you've got people building walls in the church, and you got believers at odds with one another for no reason. Mm. Hallelujah. I've talked to people before, and they say, well, you know, they're Pentecostal. They're holiness. Well, you know what, what they mean is, you know, they don't, they don't believe in wearing makeup or cutting their hair, or, you know, the ladies don't wear certain fashions, or they don't wear jewelry or whatever. So that's a reason not to fellowship? That, that's a reason not to fellowship? Well, but they're, they're in bondage. Okay, but they're saved. Amen. They're saved. Right? That doesn't mean you're going to stop cutting your hair and wearing makeup. And, right? You, you understand that all you guys, you're going to shave because, you know, you can't, can't have a beard. You've you got to shave. But, right? You're not going to do that. But, but are you really somebody that's a believer that believes that way? You're really not going to hang out with them just because they believe that you're not as holy because you have a beard? You know what the Bible says. You know that doesn't matter. You know that. They don't know that. You know that, but they don't. So what do you do? The Bible says you esteem the weaker brother better than yourself. And you don't make it a big deal. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you, are you following me? Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, was, I was dealing one time with a, a, a person that is of, of that particular bent, and they were asking me if I, I would go exercise with them. And uh, I thought to myself, I thought, well, I don't... <laughs> I don't have anything with me because, you know, when I run, I, I run in, in shorts. <gasps> and, you know, I, I, I didn't have anything but shorts with me to, to, to exercise in. You say, so what would you do? I text them. I said, I would love to go with you. I said, but 
the only thing I have is shorts. And I said, uh, uh, I don't have anything else to work out in. And I said, I want to make sure that is not going to offend you. Well, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. And of course, they were very gracious. Well, that, that's fine. You know, it's not going to bother us. And it didn't. But people say, well, well, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. Because it's not esteeming that other person. I could go with the idea, look, this is how it is. I mean, you're wrong and I'm right. I am more free than you are. And I'm going to exercise my liberty. Look at the leg Zigfield missed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That, I'm not saying that makes me perfect. I'm saying I'm trying to think more along those lines. How's that going to affect my brother? Because there, Paul said there are things that you can do that's not sin, but a weak brother may not understand it. Right? They may not understand. Hmm. And if, and if I care about them, Paul said, if meat causes my brother to be offended, I will eat no meat as long as the world stands. Boy, that's important. Brother Hagen one time, uh, he was going to Brother Goodwin's church, and uh, they, they were friends for multiplied years, and, uh, but they, they had a, a, little, a little theological disagreement about a certain teaching. And uh, they went and and uh, uh, the, the gentleman that was helping Brother Hagen was putting out all of his product. And uh, Brother Hagen walked by the table and he looked at that uh, certain series and he said, now you know that Brother Goodwin and I don't agree about that. So take that off. Don't put that out. Now people say, but it's true. It, it's true. I've, I've not found anything I disagree with Brother Hagen about. But it's true. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. He knew there was a disagreement. More important, it's more important to keep a friend than win a fight. It's, it's more important to have love between you and your fellow believer than win a fight and be right. Because in being right, you can destroy the relationship. And you might be right. Listen, I, I read, am I helping you all? I, I read through the scriptures. And you know, we're, we're free from all of those outward bondages. I, right? God, God is not going to get mad at you because you wear shorts. Amen. Modestly, right? <laughs> but, but you understand what I mean by that? God, God's not going to get upset with you because your hair is long, your hair is short, your hair is curly, Right? You have no hair. God's not going to get upset. Amen. Ladies, God doesn't care if, if you buy all the makeup at Dillard's and use it all at once. He, he doesn't care. People say, well, there's a Jezebel. They, they don't even read the Bible. Where does the Bible say that, that Jezebel wore so much makeup? and was and The Bible doesn't say that. It's just somebody's idea. But they build walls. Well, we can't hang out with them because they wear makeup. Well, we can't hang out with them because they don't wear makeup. 
Listen, the only thing is you're going to have one better looking church and one ugly church. It's just, it's, that's all it's going to be. That's all it's going to be. It, it, it doesn't matter. Now, I know that's humorous, but think about it. Isn't that a trivial thing to not walk in love with each other? And we all believe we're going to the same heaven. Paul said, notice what he said. He said, esteem other better than yourself. And, 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 but people get into arguments about baptism and, and how do we pray and, and what do we do. Well, I mean, the, you know, the, the, I've had people, I had a guy one time in, in, in prison. I had a guy chase me down. What an earl. Chase me down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Chased me down to argue with me. I mean, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm at the, 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 the guard shack. I'm getting ready to go. And he chased me down. Hey, got a question for you. Okay. And, 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 and he said, how do you baptize? I couldn't resist it. I could not resist it. I said, in water. <laughs> and he goes, no, you know what I mean. I said, no, I don't. Explain to me what you mean. Do, do, do you mean, do you mean, do, do you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or do you baptize in the name of Jesus? Yeah. And I told him, I said, I know what you're getting at. I said, because I know how you believe. I said, I'll tell you how I baptize. And he said, okay. I said, I baptize into the authority of the name of Jesus in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he just looked at me, and I took him to the Scripture. I said, Jesus said, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I said, but both Peter and Paul said, baptize them in the name of Jesus. I said, now, if Peter and Paul contradicted Jesus, then you've got to throw away everything they wrote. Matter of fact, you've got to throw away the whole Bible because there's a contradiction in it. Right. I said, you're worrying about the titles, and it's not the titles. It's what happens when you're baptized. Amen. You're baptized into the kingdom. You're baptized into the authority of the name of Jesus. In other words, you are now a kingdom citizen and you have an authorization to use that name of Jesus. But people will disagree about that. Well, they baptize in the titles and they baptize in the name of Jesus. Aren't they going to be surprised when they get to heaven and find out there's people there that weren't baptized at all? Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, I guarantee you, Rusty and Amy and, and others and, and all of us that's ever witnessed on the street, I, I never shared the gospel with anybody and got them saved and then found a place to baptize them. It's just you can't do it. You're, you're in the mall witnessing. Well, you can't bat, you know, take them over and pour something over. I don't know. But, but my point is, is that person any less saved? Are they any less born again? Did they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth? Yes. The Bible says that's what saves you. And when we start disagreeing, we're not serving one another. Now, there, there are things that are blatantly wrong, and we understand that. But notice this. Oh, my goodness. Y'all got me off on that rabbit trail. Ha, ha, ha. 
Then he says, let this mind be in you. Which was what? In Christ. Who was in the form of God, but thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Notice what it says he did. He made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in likeness as of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And wherefore, or in light of that, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. Mm. So the mind of Christ was the mind of a servant. He made himself of no reputation. That, right? There, 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 there were times Jesus would hear, and, and I don't have time to go to all of these verses. I'll give them to you. In Matthew 12, 18 through 20, uh, you see where uh, uh, Isaiah had prophesied about Jesus and said that uh, uh, the, the, the servant that was coming, Jesus, the Messiah that was coming, that, that he would not lift his voice in the streets, that he would not bruise a, a, a weak reed. In other words, he would make himself of no reputation. That's why over and over again you see Jesus, for instance, Matthew chapter 9, verse 30. He would, he would heal people and then say, see that no man knows it. Well, I mean, a guy was blind his whole life and now he can see? How's, nobody, how's somebody not going to know that? In other words, he's saying, don't run around and tell everybody I did it. Give the glory to God. Right? When he, when he healed the man that had been born blind, the, the religious leaders, they, they, they had a problem. They thought that the man was glorifying Jesus when he was telling that Jesus had healed him. They said, give God the glory. This man can't heal nobody. He's a sinner. They didn't know they were agreeing with Jesus. Not that he was a sinner, but Jesus said, I can't of my own self do nothing. I only do what the Father tells me to do. Jesus, who was the express image of God, according to the book of Hebrews and Colossians, when he was on the earth, he said over and over again, I only do those things my Father tells me to do, and I can of myself do nothing. In other words, I need the Father. If you ever think you don't need anybody else, you are automatically mistaken because at the very least, you need God every day of your life and you can't live the life you're living. You can't do what you're doing without Him. And according to Scripture, I can't do it without you. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus would tell people not to bring attention to Him because He wasn't doing these things to bring attention to Himself. When he would go and the devils would start to cry out, he would, he would, he would, it, the Bible says he would tell them to be quiet because he didn't want them to make him known. And I've heard preachers say, well, he didn't want the devil advertising for him. He didn't want attention drawn to himself. The Bible says there was no beauty or comeliness that would make us come to Jesus just because, oh, look, there he is. Oh, oh. no. If you saw Jesus walking down the street, you would not know the difference between him and a normal man. Amen. It was what was in him. Amen. 
And that's why people, when you walk in somebody's presence, they have no idea what just walked in there, but the power of God just walked in that room because you walked in that room. And if you're walking in love and you care about other people, you'll have an opportunity to manifest the power of God. You'll have an opportunity to get somebody healed, get somebody saved, get somebody delivered. And when they start patting you on the back, you'll say, God did that. God used me to manifest the works of Jesus. Amen. That doesn't mean we don't honor and respect people. I honor and respect every minister in here, every minister in my life. You respect me, and I appreciate that. But what makes me respect people is when they understand, I didn't do that. God did it. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Now, one, one, one last verse. Jesus took on him the form of a servant. Notice in Matthew 20. <coughs> Hallelujah. See, now, now religion will take what I'm saying and they'll, they'll use that phrase, well, yes, brother, we're all nothing. That's not right. That's, that's wrong. We don't disagree because of it, but that's wrong. The Bible says you are a king and a priest. It says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says you are of the household of faith. You, you are God's children. Amen. But we operate in humility. Matthew 20, verse 25. Notice what Jesus said. He said, uh, Jesus called them unto him and said, You know the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Let him be your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So notice, he said he did not come to be served, but to serve. Right? Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, serve each other. Esteem one another better than yourself. And notice, Philippians said Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself. And took on himself the form of a servant. Humbled himself and became obedient to death. Well, why did he have to humble himself and become obedient to death? Listen. Oh, this is so important. Remember in the book of Acts, Peter was preaching and it said God raised him up. And then it said because it was impossible that he should be holden of death. It's impossible for Jesus to stay dead. Why? He had never sinned. The wages of sin is death. Jesus had never sinned. It's impossible for him to stay dead. But he humbled himself and for that period of time obeyed death. Why? So you could have eternal life. Now, Now think about that. Not to show how powerful he was. Jesus didn't go to the cross and die and go to hell and defeat death, hell, and the grave, and rise on the third day to show us how powerful he was. He did it so we could be free. Amen. So he humbled himself. There was a complete absence of pride in Jesus. The most outstanding characteristic of Jesus was his humility and servanthood. And Paul said we should let that same mind be in us. Hallelujah. Do you see what I'm saying? 
That, that, that doesn't mean you think of yourself in a debased fashion and I'm nothing and I don't deserve nothing. Listen, none of us deserved anything but hell. And God looked at people that deserved nothing but His wrath and His punishment. And before time ever existed, He made a way for us to escape it. Amen. Why? Because he, when God did not give Jesus at the cross. God gave Jesus before the foundation of the world. That's what the Bible says. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That the cross was the physical act that had already been committed before the world ever existed. In God's mind, before the world ever was, Jesus had already given His life for all of our sins. And so the cross was just the walking out of what God already considered complete. Hallelujah. The result, now notice, the result of that mindset of humility. Paul says, wherefore, God also has highly exalted him. So the result of that mindset of humility was God exalted Jesus. Hallelujah. The, 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 the result of you loving and serving each other is that God can take you to a place that he could have never taken you to before had you not chosen to be humble and serve one another. There are things that God wants to bring into all of our lives. He wants to bring into our churches. And, and I'm not certainly pointing a finger at anybody. I don't, I don't know how you're living. But here's my point. There are things that God wants to bring into people's lives very often that he can't do and can't bring because the focus is all on me. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about, and please hear my heart when I say this, about how blessed Pastor Michelle and I are. And people say, well, you're blessed because you give. Right. Because we have a heart to give Amen. to other people. I would give you anything I have. If, if that's what the Lord told me to do, if I saw you in need of something, I'd give you anything I have. That's, that's, my, that's my love language. Giving. My girls and my wife like that. My, my wife has had to help my girls not manipulate that over the years because I can't help myself. Amen. Amen. Don't you try it, but... Uh, but think about that as we're closing. What can God bring into my life if I'll just be humble and just esteem other people greater than myself? Never look at somebody that's blessed and get this prideful mindset that they had, a, they had an end somewhere or they met somebody or they had, they had it easier than you. It could just be the blessings of God. And if you'll follow that person's life, I promise you'll see somebody that's very humble. Somebody that's very considerate and very caring and very giving. Amen. Amen. I mean, there's some crooks out there. But they don't last very long. I want to look out over this congregation, everywhere we're at in the next 15, 20 years, and I want to see your face. And, 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 and you might be doing things in ministry, but this is still home. And, and ever, whenever you're able, I want to see you. 
Why? Because that's a relationship that's forever. There are no expendable relationships. There are no bridges in here that we can afford to burn. Because we need each other. Oh, hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me today? Thank you, Lord.